Hey guys, before we get started on today's episode, I wanted to let you know that we officially have the doors open to a free workshop on consistent content, building consistent content. If you are a content creator or you want to be, then this workshop is for you. If you struggle with starting finishing, staying consistent, being on a schedule, showing up, doing all the things you know you should do, but who has the time for it? Well, I put together a free workshop that shows you exactly how I'm able to produce so much content without freaking out every single day. That should have been the name of the the workshop, but you can access that by going to heatherparity.com forward slash workshop, or you can click the link in the show notes. Again, that is heatherparity.com forward slash workshop. And I think I suffered somewhat from the imposter syndrome. I still suffer from that, but I think that I've sort of reconciled the fact that everybody should suffer from it because if you, the minute that you don't have the imposter syndrome means that you're not trying to improve yourself. I've always felt immense fear. I was born with several qualities. I have always felt small. I may be blind, but I teach people how to see. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up. Use their voice and make an impact in this world. Friends, welcome to today's episode. If this is your first time listening, my name is Heather Parody. I am your host, and this show is dedicated to unconventional leaders. I had the honor of connecting with Tom King. He is the CEO of Icon and Steviva, which are companies that share natural sweeteners for products all over the world. And he also has this recent venture where he wrote this book called Guy Gone Keto and and shares some of his favorite recipes for condiments. I've tried them. They're crazy. And y'all know, y'all know I've been trying to cut coffee creamer If you follow me on Instagram, Facebook, you know that this is a struggle because your girl loves some coffee creamer, but the fat content's crazy. Have you ever looked at the back of that? Don't look at the back of it. It's nuts. But Tom sent me some of his sweetener, and guys, it's been like two, three weeks. Your girl has had no coffee creamer, and I still like my coffee. So you know this is a Christmas miracle. It's amazing. But I'm really pumped about this episode because we not only dig into how his life has been changed through keto, but just the habits and rituals and routines that he's developed over the past couple of years after having this crazy pivotal moment where he had a really hard look at himself and realized that, as he said, wasn't living with integrity, and he wanted to change everything, not only his health, but his mindset, the way he ran his business. And he shares with us his super raw and honest story here. And I'm telling you, I read this book that he wrote. It's all about keto. And I'm going to tell you guys, I am not one of those people who really digs into the science behind health. To give you a little insight, I originally went to school to go into the medical field. I had randomly got this job at a hospital, if you can believe it, in my early 20s, working in surgery. No, they did not let me near any open patients, but what I did have is this crazy grunt job where I transported patients to and from surgery, helped out in the OR stocking things. I saw some crazy stuff. Literally, I, I, I've got to save it for another episode, but I have some crazy stories, but I loved patient care and I loved being around people 
And I was like, I'm going to go to the medical field. And then I went to school and took like a few A&P classes. And I'm like, screw this crap. <laughs> At the same time, I was taking a psychology class and I absolutely fell in love with that. That made more sense in my mind than a lot of the scientific stuff. I just, man, it was it was so hard for me. My sister's a nurse. She gets it. But anyway, the point is I don't really dig into a lot of the scientific health stuff. But this book, Guy Gone Keto, is just super practical, straightforward, and I learned a ton about the way our body breaks down sugar and why it's important to stay away from it. I know I'm hurting everybody's feelings. I kind of hurt my own feelings, but there are some substitutes. But anyway, I'm going to be quiet. Pick up the book. Check out the link in the show notes. I'll have all of his products, all of his stuff there. Really cool interview with Tom King. But before we get started, if you know anyone who would love this episode and dig this topic, make sure that you send it to them. We want to impact as many people as we can for the remainder of 2019. It's almost over. Crazy. Need your help to do it. So please share this with one person who would love this topic. All right, my friends, you ready? Let's meet Tom King, the guy gone keto. Hey guys, connecting with Tom King, super, super excited to connect with you. This is, I was mentioning before we jumped on this call that, you know, we, we talk a lot about leadership and small business here. And just recently, after two years of podcasting, we just started digging into health, Tom. And, and that's crazy. That's crazy because that's everything in our lives. And there's so much implications of that within, within our leadership and our, our business. And mm-hmm. when I was digging into your book, Tom, I, I love that you told that story at the very beginning of how you were in this position of leadership within your company mm-hmm. and you started having these revelations about, Hey, health is kind of important and I need to make this a priority in my life. Uh, can you share with us a little bit about just that, that moment in your life where you're running the successful business? You, you've been doing this for years. You have all the credentials, all the stuff going for you, but your, your health was suffering. I, it, yeah, it wasn't just my health that was suffering. Um, it was just about everything, you know, like I didn't have, I didn't have balance in my life. And I also felt like I wasn't, um, I felt like I wasn't really living with the level of integrity that, you know, that I should. And I think I suffered somewhat from the imposter syndrome, Hmm. but I still suffer from that. But I think that I've sort of reconciled the fact that everybody should suffer from it because if you the minute that you don't have the imposter syndrome means that you're not trying to improve yourself so if you're if you you know if you constantly live in that sort of almost like threat state that you have to be constantly improving improving yourself um i think you can get stagnant so i don't expect everybody to to subscribe to the to my philosophy on that um a lot of people have told me that they think that i beat myself up too much um but I, I enjoy it. I don't mind it so much because it really does help me um, make constant and never-ending improvements, which I think is, is super important. Yeah. And, and so that journey for me started in, in Vegas. And, um, you know, my company supplies uh, sweeteners to the sports nutrition industry and caters to quite a, quite a few companies that make ketogenic-friendly products. And I was carrying about 35 pounds of extra weight, had terrible blood pressure, um, you know, and, and I just wasn't really, you know, I wasn't walking my talk. Um, so, you know, I went out to dinner with some, uh, <clears throat> with, with some vendors and they paid and, 
and I overconsumed and I had, you know, steak and potato and cake and wine. And I got up to my room um, at the illustrious Luxor Hotel in the executive suite and which sort of reeked of broken dreams and <laughs> and lost causes. So I, um, yeah, I just basically looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, wow, this is, this isn't working for me. You know, I'm like, yeah not healthy, not balanced, and felt like I wasn't really, you know, attacking my business with integrity. And at that point, I really committed to to journaling and writing it all down. Like, you know, like, what am I experiencing? What am I feeling? How can I improve? Um, you know, and I, I do that on a daily basis. But, but at, about a year after, you know, uh, that sort of epiphany, if you will, that I had in Los Las Vegas, um, I had a complete book. And so, yeah, so then the next step was just finding a publisher and getting it out. And that was like, that was a process yeah. <laughs> that happened yeah. a couple of years ago. And one of the things I appreciate that you mentioned is, you know, a lot of us, especially those who are really involved in self-development and leadership mm -hmm. and self-improvement, we know the things that we need to be doing. Like oh. we understand, but there's this, this gap between awareness and behavior. And you, you address that in the book, you talk about, you know, these pain points and that it has to get to a point where your, your pain, you know, outweighs your, your, I guess, laziness, to be honest with you, with not mm -hmm. neglecting your health and then so forth. Right. Can you explain 100%. that to us a little bit? Um, well, I, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins and, yeah. you know, I, I've, seen him and, and, you know, followed his work for probably 20 years now. And, you know, he always brought up pain, you know, how to leverage your pain. And I don't think I truly understood it until, you know, until that moment. Like, you know, I think that human beings are driven by uh, pain and, and pleasure and, and maybe the avoidance of pain. So, you know, the way I changed my habit is I just started to associate you know, so much pain with, you know, carrying extra weight with the blood pressure, with everything else. Um, you know, and that was part of my journaling process too, is it's like you associate that pain, you meditate on that pain. And once the pain exceeds the pleasure that you're deriving from the habit that you want to break, it's no longer a habit. Like yeah. it becomes a nuisance. So um, I use that quite a bit. Now, I also want to explain that there's a big difference between between leveraging your pain and suffering. Mm. So I don't advocate people suffering. And, and I mean, suffering is also a choice. Um, you can choose not to suffer and you can choose to, you know, come from a space of like a growth mindset. But, you know, you, you can leverage pain. So there's a big difference between pain and suffering. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Why keto why did you lean into that specifically though because you're pretty passionate about keto <laughs> i can be and i don't and i don't really try to push my keto off on other people um if people are interested in it i will certainly you know give them my experience and a copy of my book and some resources but why i led why i leaned into into keto was was for a lot of reasons like a i wanted to um, I wanted to lose some weight, but also I was really sluggish. So in the afternoon, I'd start pounding coffee, like two o'clock, I'd start hitting that slump. So I, I've tried like, 
a variety of different diets, like the cabbage soup diet and the lemonade diet and, you know, zero carb diet. I mean, I've tried all of those and those are diets, meaning that they're not a, it's not a lifestyle change. So diets are very temporary. And so the results that you get from, from diets are, you know, you're always going to get that weight gain coming back on you. Yeah. Um, so I needed something that I could adopt as a lifestyle that had science behind it, mm-hmm. like science of, you know, bringing down levels of inflammation, science of, you know, increasing cognitive ability, um, you know, and, and just performance. And everything that I was reading and everything that I came, came back to, and I had like a lot of, um, of food technologists that work in the, in the keto category and PhDs. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a lot of conversations with them and out of all, every single lifestyle that I explored, keto seemed to make the most amount of sense. And so when I adopted it, I saw, that's when I started seeing some very, very powerful changes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is our, our community or visionaries were constantly taking massive action. And I think we jump a lot on those fad diets and those quick fixes because we're kind of all or nothing people and we get this idea and we just go all in it. And you talk a lot about sustaining a lifestyle and there's a lot of education that goes into that because you, you break down in your book, um, you know, looking at the labels and defining what's actually in it and recognizing sugar. And I mean, we, we aren't educated in this. And so there is a little bit of a time investment that goes into really learning about the food that you're eating and being right. a little bit more aware of the process of it, where it actually comes from. Where do we even start as busy entrepreneurs, people with a lot on our plate anyway? How can we start this lifestyle um, and really learn the truth behind it? Um, <clears throat> I, the internet. <laughs> you can explore <laughs> the internet. I mean, that that's helpful. But I mean, I think that if you really, really, really want to break it down to basics, the diet, the diet or the lifestyle, um, you know, is 70% fat, 20% protein and 10%, 10% carbs. And those carbs come from cruciferous vegetables like mm-hmm. broccoli, cauliflower, lettuces, kales. Um, so if you just have that, you know, if you only have that sort of uh, mindset or, you know, information behind it, that's enough to really get you going. But in, in hitting the, the grocery stores, the most important thing is to shop the outside of the grocery store. And that's where you're going to find, you know, meat and uh, fresh vegetables. And those are the things that you want to lean into. Once you start getting into, you know, the middle of the grocery store, mm-hmm. then that's where you're going to find packaged goods like cereal and, you know, condiments that are filled with sugar, um, pop, chips, yeah. all yeah. of that. So just stay on the outside of the grocery store, you know, track what you eat. I mean, you don't need to really mm-hmm. dig deep into the macros, but, you know, but understand what you're eating and be involved in what you're eating. Yeah. Um, you know, 70% fat, 20% protein, 10% cruciferous carbs. If you stick with that, I promise you, you will see a, a dramatic change in brain function um, and physiology. Yeah. Now I know you are a uh, biohacker. You love bulletproof coffee and all that, which I could, I love. I absolutely love. I, when, when I hear you talking, my, my first instinct is, what about coffee? Like, is it, is it keto? Is it okay to drink your caffeine? What, what's your perception on that? 
Well, I don't have a coffee in front of me right now because I've, <laughs> I've actually tried to make a habit of not having any caffeine after um, afternoon. Oh, man, um, you're hurting my feelings, Tom. That's the best time to drink. How hard that was for me? <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Yeah, so I cut it off at noon and because I don't want it to interrupt my sleep pattern because I track my sleep like crazy, like, you know, resting, my resting heart rate. So I have like one of these, the aura ring. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean that, so I don't want to interrupt my sleep because I think that this, that, that my sleep really, the quality of my sleep really affects my performance the next day. So I cut the coffee off at 12 noon. But I would say between when I get up in the morning at 4.30 and 12 noon, there's no rules. <laughs> there's no rules. It's like, yep, I will function on just pure caffeine. So, you know, I'll drink as much coffee as I want. I would say that if you're drinking Bulletproof coffee, that's got a lot of fat in it. Yeah. So you still need to, you know, even, even though, you know, you're eating the fat and the the limiting protein and limiting the carbohydrates, you can't, you still have to track calories somewhat. I mean, hmm. I don't, I don't make it a focal point, but if you, you know, if you've got six or seven bulletproof coffees and each one of them has, you know, 10 to 15 grams of fat, yeah. that's going to be, that's going to be more fat, I think, than your body could probably convert over to, uh, over to ketones. And then, then you'd start storing fat. So you have to be smart about it. Like I, I mix it up between just drinking black coffee and tea, um, you know, and then like first thing in the morning, I'll spike it with some MCT oil and some collagen and yeah. So Why I'm a big proponent of coffee. Yeah. Well, we're, we should be friends. I am too. Um, <laughs> tracking i've heard that theme come up a lot you you talk about journaling blood mm -hmm. pressure you say that you weigh yourself every day i don't know if you still do that and you keep track of, of it why is tracking so important and that seems a little bit you know very extreme because most people <laughs> would say well i mean that uh, i mean most people say keep track you know once a week or an overall right. and not but you're very diligent with your tracking mm -hmm. why, why is that so important um I think it keeps me on track it keeps me disciplined. It's also a great form of data collection. So you can see patterns starting to develop. And when you see a pattern start to develop, then you can take corrective action. So like if I see my blood pressure start to go up a little bit, or if I'm waking up in the morning with, you know, elevated uh, blood sugar levels or, or, you know, my, my ketones are suppressed, um, you know, that's, that's all, part of this data collection process that I can be like, okay, so I'm going to need to, you know, back off on, you know, the carbs a little bit or back off on the protein because a lot of people have this sort of misconception about keto that all I eat is bacon and cheese. Um, and that is that that's completely untrue. Um, I eat a lot of vegetables. I eat a lot of celery, a lot of lettuce. I mean, I really enjoy vegetables and it's important that you get that fiber. It's important that you get those nutrients. It's also important that you get those carbohydrates. But I think people need to, to sort of be aware of protein because your body can, protein is, is difficult for your body to metabolize. Um, so you can only metabolize so much protein and then the rest of it gets converted into glycogens, which is basically glucose that's stored in your muscles. So if you eat too much protein, it'll throw you out of keto. Yeah. So back to the question of why do I track that stuff so, so diligently so I can see trends developing? And yes, I do, I would say a significant amount of biohacking. Um, like right now I'm working on a CBD biohack where I'm taking a 40 times dose. 
daily of CBD and tracking my C-reactive proteins to see if the, if the CBD has any effect on inflammation. So um, I'm also writing, you know, I'll jot down notes and stuff about how I feel. Because um, my personal perception of, of CBD is that there's a lot of claims that are being made about it, you know, like, oh, it cures cancer and lupus yeah. and bad attitudes. Well, um, I don't know about that. So, I mean, I don't know if it's correct or incorrect, but all of the evidence out there is pretty anecdotal. And I would say that the evidence that I collect too is anecdotal, but it's actual real world experience. So, you know, like I'll do this hack with CBD for 21 days and track the, my C-reactive proteins. My next hack is probably going to be more related to the microbiome. Mm -hmm. um, like I've tried to give myself lactose intolerance by, you know, adding particular types of bacteria to my system and then, you know, fueling them with different compounds like fibers and, yeah. and stuff. So, I mean, I'm fascinated by it because, you know, this body is just a meat suit. It's just basically a vehicle to get us around. Um, so I want to really see how I can maximize performance. Um, yeah, and I want to see what I can do with it without killing myself. Yeah, yeah. Now, you you talked about tracking at the very beginning. You know, mm -hmm. that's a the self-awareness that goes into that I think is kind of hard to approach when you've let yourself go for a while and you haven't. Mm -hmm step on the scale in a while and you haven't been really aware of your habits of drinking because mm -hmm. you kind of have to come to a place where you admit that things aren't in a good spot oh, and yeah. writing those numbers down and becoming mm -hmm. very aware of what's happening, where I'm at. I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of resistance there because we don't want to even admit it. We don't want to look at it. So 100%. words of advice for those who may start this journey and say, Hey Tom, I, I want to start tracking. I want to see improvements, but I really am embarrassed to look at, see where I'm at right now. Um, well, my response to that would be good, you know, because that's, what's going to drive you. Em embarrassment is pain. So if you break that down into, you know, the pain and pleasure mode, <clears throat> if you're, you need to get the, your embarrassment to outweigh the pleasure that you're driving from the donuts and the pizza and, and stuff like that. Um, I, I would also recommend that download Jocko Willink's book, um, Discipline Equals Freedom. Mm. And I follow him <laughs> and he's like a no BS guy about, about discipline. And basically, you know, when somebody asks a question to him of, hey, Jocko, how do I get up at 4.30 in the morning and start working out? And his response is generally, you get up at 4.30 and you start working out. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's easy for people to make excuses and it just shift your mindset. I know that sounds super simple. And, you know, I still screw up. I mean, I screw up every day, like probably every hour. If I'm going to be honest about it. But the thing is, is just keep yourself on the paper. Keep yourself on track. If you feel yourself starting to get off track, gently nudge yourself back on. And if you're gently nudging yourself uh, doesn't work, then maybe beating yourself over the head with a club <laughs> will. And sometimes embarrassment is that club and shame is that club. And just write it down, write it down, find a good group to, you know, that's going to support you. And that's, I mean, we're basically the sum of the five people closest to us. Yes. So look around and see who you're surrounding yourself by. If you're surrounding yourself by people that, you know, have a fixed mindset and are not 
committed to, you know, to personal growth mm -hmm. and improvement, um, change the people you're hanging out with. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, if it happens to be a spouse, you know, take a look at that. I mean, from my perspective, we live one life and I would say that you should enjoy this life and maximize it, you know, to its fullest potential. Amen. Amen. I really I appreciate that you also made the link between tracking also how you feel because oh. we don't make those associations enough. But my previous life, I used to be a therapist and there was barely any talk at all between our nutrition and our, our emotions and our mental state, which is insane. Oh insane. <laughs> yep. And I think too, as entrepreneurs and leaders, we, we get so overwhelmed and stressed and it, we automatically associate that with our work, which can be stressful, but to our habits when they're unhealthy, can mm -hmm. you address that and maybe share with us how you have evolved and shifted how you feel physically feel mentally too, since you've made this lifestyle change? Um, I, yeah, I can't really emphasize enough on the importance of journaling and writing it down. And I mean, I, my journaling sort of evolves and shifts, you know, monthly, yearly. It, I mean, it, it's always, it's, it's always changing. Like I'm always asking myself different questions. And I think that that's how I start the journaling process is asking myself, you know, different questions on things that, you know, that are important to me. But I can tell you the number one question and the first question I ask myself every single day is how do I feel? Like, how am I feeling? Am I feeling grounded? Am I feeling connected? Um, you know, and, and I usually get a couple paragraphs out of that at least. Mm -hmm. And then the next question I ask myself is that, you know, did I practice restraint? And, you know, wow. restraint is something that's super important to me, like restraining from bad eating habits, restraining from consuming too much alcohol, um, you know, restraining myself from talking too much and listening too little. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I really drill down into, you know, into restraining myself because that's, you know, that is discipline is restraining yourself from doing the things that you want to do and doing the things that you know you must do. Um, you know, and then from there, you know, something that popped up for me, I would say six months ago, um, during an acupuncture thing, my acupuncturist said, what is it that you're not letting go of? And I was like, you know, that's a damn good question. Wow. And so that became, that actually became part of my journaling process. Like what, what can I let go of today that is holding me back from personal excellence? And that was a huge, huge brain dump for me because the things that came up is fear, you know, like fear of loss and, you know, fear of what people think and fear of acceptance and fear of, you know, becoming infirm and yeah. like all of these different things, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm over 50 and, you know, and these things, your body doesn't heal quite as fast. And, you know, these are the things that you have to face, like your own mortality. And, so I really felt like that a lot of the things that were holding me back is fear, like fear of failure, maybe even fear of success. So that became like a huge part of my journaling process. And um, yeah, that really helped a lot. And now it's like, I need to get a bigger journal. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're, we're huge journalers here. We're always talking about journaling and I'm so grateful that you shared that perspective on it. I think a lot of people, uh, I've, I've had so many questions of like, how do I journal? What's the right way of doing it? And I'm always like, oh. everyone is so different and how sure. they approach it and how they, how they use it. 
Um, I want to give you an opportunity, Tom, for our very last question, which is my favorite okay. question. I can't wait to ask it to you. Uh, but just to share a little bit more about your company and your products. And I want to say that your sauces was like a fight in my house. Because, what? Yes. Yes. My daughters and my husband, we all uh, love, love, we eat a lot of chicken and we were just oh. like yanking your sauces out of each other's hands. It was so good. Yeah. I absolutely love it. I'll link those in the show notes, but tell me a little bit about your company and what y'all, what we all provide. Okay. So I have sort of multi, I, a, a few different companies. So okay. yeah. So, um, so my primary company and the one that, you know, the, that produces the most amount of revenue is called Icon Foods. And Icon Foods were an ingredient supplier to a, a gazillion different brands that are using natural sweeteners. So our main focus is like clean label sugar reduction. So we've got, you know, a 3,000 square foot lab that we work out of to, to retool and reformulate uh, major food manufacturers formulas so they have less sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our primary focus. Um, and then back in 1999, I started a company called Staviva Brands and that's, it's a brand of consumer based sweeteners and mm-hmm. we're in quite a few different stores. I'm not even sure how many at this point. Um, and then last May, not this last May, but the May before, um, I had, I wrote a book called Guy Gone Keto yep. and that's the sauces you add. So the book Guy Gone Keto was really about sort of my journey into, into ketogenic lifestyle. And so I selfishly created those sauces because I couldn't have ketchup. I couldn't have barbecue sauce. I couldn't have teriyaki. I couldn't have any of these sauces. And I'm like, why doesn't somebody just have, you know, keto friendly condiments? And well, I'm like, I'm going to just have to make them. And so I made them. And then everybody who had them was like, these are amazing. You should sell them. I'm like, okay. And then the brand just exploded. So they're which, legit. They're legit. <laughs> amazing job. Amazing yeah. job. Well, and I'm constantly tweaking them. So, um, you know, and I'm also, I thrive more on criticism. So if somebody's like, you know, I think it's got too much salt. And I really enjoy hearing people's feedback on that. Um, because it really helps me improve them because we're a smaller company. Mm. We have that ability to pivot pretty quickly. So if somebody's like, no, there's too much salt or it's too sweet or it's too spicy, we have the ability to, to just, you know, to go into the lab and to retool. So I have yeah. a blast doing that. And, and I can respect that, but Tom, our, our family, we are foodies. We eat, we love to eat here. So we, we, we loved it. Um, before our last question, I was kind of curious. You said those, those three, those three pieces you're working on. If you had to just really get into the root of this is my life's work. This is my passion. What right. is it? I would say contribution and legacy. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, having a successful business and, you know, and making money is, is great. Um, you know, and I'm really grateful for that, yeah. but I would say that, impacting people's lives in a positive way is really what gets me jazzed. So when I look at, you know, people that work for me and they start at one point and two years later, they're a completely different person. Um, you know, and I was a catalyst for that. That is what, that's really what gets me excited. Another, another one is when I go to trade shows and out of the blue, somebody will come up to me and wrap their arms around me and be like, oh my God, I lost 85 pounds wow. and my life is completely changed now. Those types of things, those are the things that drive me. Like, I mean, I'd be happy living in a tent. Um, I don't need a lot of stuff, but 
it, it's seeing, you know, the impact that, that the business that I, businesses that I've created, the impact that they have on people, that is, that makes everything, mm. everything so, so worth it. You're speaking the language of our audience here. We're, we're all about that. So thank you for sharing that. Very last question. I was wondering if you were to go back in time to Tom in that hotel room and you're having this revelation about your life as a whole, this isn't going down the road that you want it to. And you're, you're having this really hard look at yourself and deciding to start this journey that you're on right now. You didn't go back then and sit with him for just a moment and tell him one thing. What would that be? Um, that's a really good question. I would say keep doing what you're doing. Don't give up and do it more. And then I would ask that person that they go back <laughs> and talk to the, the 18-year-old teenage version of myself and say, you need some discipline <laughs> and just keep doing what you're doing. And in the end, everything's going to turn out for you, but it could be so much better. It could be so much better if you would just shift your mindset. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you have not subscribed yet, please head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And also, if you have a second, leave us a review. Lastly, we have a private Facebook group. If you are looking for a tribe of like-minded leaders who are unconventional in their approach, but dedicated to making an impact, head over to Facebook and type in unconventional leaders, and we will be sure to add you. You guys have a great week.